0: America is an amazing country filled with wonderful people who do incredible things. But too often the media and liberal politicians ignore big parts of our nation and the people who make it work. So I'm speaking with leaders and policymakers who deal with real problems every day. I'm Ronna McDaniel and this is Real America. Today I'm going to be speaking with Representative Kat Kamak from Florida. We're going to cover issues facing real Americans outside the bubble from the left's attack on our police to the assault on free speech, protecting America's farmland and what it means to be a young pro-life conservative woman in Congress. So, welcome to my podcast. I'm so excited to be joined by Congresswoman Kat Kamak. Yes, did I say it right? Yes. Kamak. Yes.
1: All right. Absolutely. Because people say your name wrong a lot, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm to the point where I'm starting to say McCormick and Kimic. And- I know. Well, I'll, I'm Rona or Rhonda, so oh, we could just hey, be Rona. together.
0: I know. Hey, <laughs> hey, Kamak. Hey, girl. It's hey, Kamak. So, no. Kamak, Kamra. You are one Kamak. of our rock star freshman class. Uh, congresswoman. I met you, I don't know if you remember when I first met you, we were in Indianapolis yes. at a College Republicans event. Yes, You're very shy. I'm, I'm so totally shy. kidding. About <laughs> I'm so shy. <laughs> You're very shy. I'm a wallflower. You, are, you were hooting and hollering. Yes. You are all about the College Republicans. <laughs> and I'm like, I need her on my podcast. And then I started learning about you. So I want to talk, I want to introduce you a little bit to our audience because you have a fascinating story as to how you ended up in congress. Um so let's start with and I'm going to talk about something and then you're going to tell the story, but okay. you have a roadrunner bobblehead, yes, that you keep in your car and there's a reason why because it reminds you of your journey and talk about what that symbolizes for you in your life.
1: So uh, where I got my undergraduate degree was Metro State University in Denver. In, Co- in Colorado, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the mascot is a roadrunner. Okay. And so they, they, ta- they call us roadrunners because the way the campus is laid out is in between all these big buildings in a very urban downtown setting. And so you're literally dodging traffic to get from. Okay. From, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. That makes sense to me now. Yeah, from class to class. So it's kind of like a game of Frogger. Okay, Remember love Frogger. Yes, yeah. that's like old, you know, eighties baby. So, you know, I grew up with games like that. I'm an eighties baby too. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the the whole thing with with Road Runner is one half the time, you know, you feel like you're just trying to dodge traffic, yeah, because um, you have so much coming at you. But it's a constant reminder of where I came from. You know, uh, now sitting as the youngest Republican woman in Congress, you don't really think that if you go to, you know, a community college or a state college that, you know, you can do stuff like this. You, if you're a daughter of a single mom or, you know, a working class, you know, poor kid, you don't typically find yourself in Congress. And so it's just a constant reminder of, where I've come from. Of and your journey. Yeah. But when you were in college, you were involved, you were an auctioneer, yes. yeah, yeah.
0: you were living this one life where you were going to events where people had to pay money to get things, and a lot of your classmates did not know that you were homeless. Yes. And yes. the 2007 housing crisis, which affected 10 million Americans, yep. got uh, had, had an effect on your family and your mom. So talk about that, how hard that yeah. was to go to school and then the stress of being evicted from your home with your mom.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely the hardest time in our life, I think. Uh, we had a small cattle ranch. That's where I grew up, just outside of Denver. And um, I had worked my entire way through both high school and then college. I was working a full-time job, going to school full-time. I was captain of the cheerleading squad. All right. And we had a great basketball team, so we were constantly traveling on the road And it was April of 2011. I was getting ready to graduate. And we got a phone call that we had lost the ranch. Wow. It was due to really the failure of Obama's signature housing program. And that's when I started to wake up. It was how can something that politicians so far away, you know, I had never been to Washington. And, you know, how can how can this be happening? How did this happen? I started digging into it. And essentially a one size fits all policy, yeah, one size fits all uh, policy, a program that basically was if you can refinance your loan, right, and you're a bank that has a mortgage portfolio of a certain size, you're eligible for this program. And if you just can't refinance those loans or those people don't qualify or whatever it was, then we'll pay you a tax credit. Yeah. And so it doesn't take a genius to figure out that the banks are going to say, well, heck, if I can collect the interest on a loan up front rather than wait 30, 30 years to collect, why wouldn't I? So 7 million people along with our family, we ended up losing everything. And oh. that's when we found ourselves out on the street and we ended up living in an extended stay motel for several months. And it was, I, I affectionately call it the crack house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not because I was doing that, uh, but because, you know, there's some interesting characters that, that tend to call those types of places home and everyone's in a different situation. But yeah, it was it was pretty surreal, almost like the Twilight Zone because, you know, I was working full time. I would go to these massive galas and events. You know, yeah. And and working and and helping auctioneer and do things like that. And then I would go home to this home to this extended stay motel. And, you know, in the time that we lived there, they actually had bodies that they were pulling out. People oh who my had gosh. overdosed. And, you know, there was a lot of domestic violence and crazy things happening. And it was just this very surreal time of my life. Yeah. And then you don't give up. No. You never give up because you're a
0: roadrunner, right? Absolutely. And you end up going to Florida to go work for a congressional candidate or a campaign for Ted Yoho. Is that correct? Yep. And... Tell me about that journey and, and what that meant for you and the change that it made in your life.
1: Well, I think that was really the turning point. You know, I um, I graduated. I started looking for jobs, you know, a full-time job that, that could get us out of the crack house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I got a phone call from a family friend. And he said, my uncle is running for Congress in Florida. And I'm like, oh, I've never been to Florida. And I said, I I don't know anything about running races. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You're smart. You're energetic. You're not married. You don't have kids. If there's ever a time in your life to do something crazy like this, this is it. And so I had a conversation. It was about 15 minutes with uh, Ted on the phone. And, you know, he asked me simple things like, what kind of government do we have? And I was like, constitutional republic sir oh my goodness <laughs> really so you it was like a civics lesson it was it was it was like you know are we lining up in in okay. our belief um and i guess i passed but um next thing i know i'm packing up my car with nothing but clothes and fishing gear, because I was president of the Bass Fishing Club oh, in college. That is quite an accomplishment. Uh, kind of nerdy. I'm kind of ashamed. I love that. <laughs> the Bass Fishing Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Bass Fishing Club. And um, so I roll down to Florida. took me two days to get there. And I show up at 2 o'clock in the morning on his doorstep and I I know he was looking over my shoulder at my car, which was like this total oh, beat up sure, I'm maxima. sure it was packed. To oh the yeah, rim. packed to the hilt. Like there's clothes you like, like hanging a hoarder or something. Yeah, definitely living in your car type situation. And he's looking at that and thinking, Oh my gosh, what did I just do? And that began the journey. We were in a four-way primary. They really couldn't afford staff. And so we were, you know, it was like me and an army of interns and, you know, candidate who was great, Ted, and, you know, his wife, Carolyn, they were wonderful. And um, we just worked our tails off. And you won. And we won. And you won.
0: Yeah. So you have a unique perspective because you ran a campaign, you worked for a
1: congressperson, and then when Ted left you ran for his seat. Yes. Yes. And that was, that was really, um, that was an interesting moment when we made the final decision because there was always that, that window where we, we were thinking, you know, Hey, our country is really in a bad place. Do we want Mm -hmm. to go through a change in representation? And Ted had term limited himself. And, you know, there was a little bit of waffling back and forth, like, Hey, you know, if you run again, you'll have to explain that. But you know, Most people forgive that because that happens a lot. That does happen a lot. But at the end of the day, he made the decision. He made the call. And so I got my husband and my best friend together. We sat in a little hole-in-the-wall barbecue joint in Florida. Um, And it was over brisket that we sat there and just talked it out. And they tried like hell to talk me out of it. They really did. They were like, listen, at this point in time, we've been doing campaigns for eight years. We're tired. We've, We've been through this. And... Um, at one point, I looked across at my husband and said, babe, do you really think that you can look our future kids in the eye and say that mom and dad did absolutely everything to make sure that they would have every chance in life? And he started getting teary eyed. I'll get teary eyed right now thinking about <laughs> that moment. And um, he just looked at me and he's like, I'm in. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I want to meet him. I haven't <laughs> met
0: him yet. Well, I'm going to meet him at some point. You will. You and will. you are the youngest Republican woman in Congress right now, mm-hmm. what a time yeah. to be in Congress with this awesome freshman class. I mean, Incredible. you guys are rock stars. You're all yeah. so, <laughs> uh, you're you're outspoken, but you work well together. Yeah. I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I think are key. And one of them st- starts with your husband. Your husband is uh, a SWAT team, medic officer, is that correct? Yeah. He is a firefighter. Yeah. He is somebody who is running into danger while others are running away and saving lives. Yeah. So it has to be really personal to you as you are seeing Democrats double down on this. Defund the defend the police, demoralize, demean, yep. diminish, disparage. I mean, every word that you can use as to how the Democrats are treating our first responders, how does it affect you personally and how does it affect your husband?
1: Oh, it's—I it's, um, would say that it's— um, it's harder for my husband, for sure. Yeah. My my natural instinct is fight. Um, so I take it personal and I use it as motivation to push back. And my husband is very much a a, a kind of guy who is all about heart and service. He always wants to do right. And when people are hurting, he doesn't like that. And so he takes it as a okay, we're gonna you know come together and you know defend and whatever. But my natural instinct is I'm gonna push back, I'm gonna attack. And so when the bill came up, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which was the original defund police bill mm-hmm. that came up, um, I ended up taking my husband's SWAT vest to D.C. Which, by the way, if you have ever tried to get a ballistic vest through TSA. <laughs> No, I've never tried that. I don't, I don't recommend think I'm putting it. that
0: on my bucket list. I don't That's recommend not going it. on my bucket I, I list. I don't recommend
1: okay. it. But you I, took it with you. I did. I took it with me and um, flew it up there. And Jim Jordan was running a special order and, and a debate on this bill. And I told him, I said, I need three minutes. And he's like, You got one minute. And I said, Oh my gosh! So I, I haul my my tail down to the house floor, and I've got his vest in my hand. And it's a good. It's a heavy vest. Yeah. It's you know like forty pounds of gear and and ballistic plates and um and so I get down there and I'm getting ready and Jim looks over and he sees the vest and he's like you got two minutes because <laughs> he was interested he, he was intrigued to, yeah I, <laughs> he was intrigued at that moment and so I um I get up to the mic and Sheila Jackson Lee had just finished talking about this and and talking about why they needed to defund police and so. I, I didn't know quite how this was gonna play because it's not something you can rehearse. Mm-mm. And I just knew that I needed a moment to kind of snap everyone's heads and pay attention because it was it was gonna be totally off script. It was gonna go straight from the heart. And I pulled my husband's vest up as high as high as I could. And keep in mind I'm five foot three. I've got little I'm, tiny two reps on. I'm
0: about the same <laughs> size as you. I'm five three. Yep. Yeah.
1: And so I lifted as high as I can and I just dropped it. And I was, it did exactly what I was hoping. It, it Through the microphones, it was this resounding boom. Oh, good. Because it would have been really bad if yeah, it was silent. It, yeah, if it yeah. was like this mush. But it landed with a thud. And it was boom. And I just railed. And I said, this bill takes this equipment, this vest off my husband's back. It's the wow. same vest that he wore on a 17-hour manhunt. This is the same vest that he wears when he is going to subjects who have barricaded themselves and they're threatening to kill their own children. But the real threat isn't that you guys are trying to tell people that, you know, our, our police can't have vests. It's, it's that you want to get rid of them all. You want to yeah. take mm-hmm. that off their backs. You want to remove them from communities altogether. And, and I, I actually posed the question. I said, are you waking up at 2 a.m. responding to gang shootings? Are you missing your children's birthday parties? Because there has been a murder in your community. No. Oh my gosh!
0: And how did they yeah. respond? Did they?
1: Did any of the Democrats come to you and say thank you or nothing? No. In fact, um, there was one who uh, was very uh, was very angry that I had done that. And when they didn't respond at all, I actually sent them letters every single Democrat that voted for that bill and said, "I encourage you to do a ride along." In fact, I challenge you to a ride along. Yeah. You can either do one in my district, I'll arrange it, or I will come to your district, and I'll do it with you. Because if for you, you if you have if you have even spent an hour in in the shoes and the positions that these men and women in uniform have Being been in, the wife of a husband who's putting himself in harm's yep. way, and you're taking away the protection yep. that will save my husband. Yep. How dare you? Yep. And right? that that was that was exactly the point. And not one took me up on on a ride along. So. I actually have been committed, and, and I said it there on the House floor. I said it on, on the news the next day. I said, if they won't take me up on it, I will go do ride-alongs in their district, film it, and send it to them. They need to know what goes on during a shift. It is so bad what they have done,
0: and, and police yeah. are targets now. They Absolutely. are targets. They have Absolutely. become uh, people who you know are, are targeted by, by some really insane, deranged people, and Democrats are fueling that rhetoric and I just thank you for your service and your husband's service. And I'm so sorry you're dealing with that. But our country's dealing with it with a yeah. 30% increase in homicide rates. I mean, it is disgusting what it's they awful. are doing to our men and women in uniform at every level. You were vocal this week, too. I've been watching your Twitter. <laughs> there, there's nothing shy about you. I'm not kidding. Um, but as as Democrats are doubling down on women's health and, and you know, abortion You have your own pro-life story. Mm -hmm. You set it on the floor of the house. Nobody's carried it. And you've been pointing out the media that has ignored your story as they share all the other stories that were told. Talk about that.
1: You know, I I find it pretty hypocritical that a lot of members want to talk about justice, but it's never justice for the unborn and those that don't have a voice. And we all take the same oath to the United States Constitution. And we all are are charged with upholding life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's in our DNA as Americans. But if you can't protect life, then what are you doing? Yeah. And, you know, I tell my story often that my mom was never supposed to have me. I, I should never—I shouldn't be here right now. And it truly is, by the grace of God, a decision that she made in, in an incredibly tough situation that has driven me to really be outspoken on this issue because— People don't realize that in my case, my mom, she had suffered a terrible stroke two days before she was set to give birth to my sister. Mm -hmm. She was in her late 20s. And years later, when she found herself pregnant with me, she was um, a single mom. She was scared. She was alone. And she had her doctors telling her that there's no way she would survive that pregnancy. And so she hid me for as long as she could. And she was a sandblaster, so she was wearing these flannel shirts and, like, trying to keep baggy clothes. And eventually she started showing, and my grandmother actually approached her and said, "Uh, we know, and you're going to take care of it, right? And basically told her that, you know, so you want to die. And there was a lot of pressure, you can imagine, to abort a child that everyone is telling you is this child will kill you. And the child ultimately won't survive, so you might as well just take care of it. And my mom made the very courageous choice; she she chose life. Yeah, your Oof. life, your Oof.
0: life. I yeah. Know. Oh, I love that story. Yeah. And think of this world; it's Oof. how different it is because of Cat Cammack, yeah. the very outspoken, <laughs> wonderful freshman congresswoman, the wallflower, the wallflower, uh, the wallflower <laughs> of the freshman class, but. I think I, I heard your story, yeah. and then I started reading these accounts and news outlets where they're sharing all the stories of your colleagues and not your pro-life story. No. And it's a personal story. It's a true story. And it's a story of our party And it's sad to have it be silenced. So thank you for sharing that today. And I'm so glad. Tell your mom, thank you. (laughs) I will. We're so glad to have you. You are doing great things in Congress already. You're on the Ag Committee, which I think is interesting because you did grow up on a cattle ranch, right? Yeah. And you don't think of Florida as cattle country. Oh, it it is. is. So talk about the Ag Committee, (laughs) what that means, and the cattle cattle
1: community in in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean Florida, people think of, of Florida and they think, you know, Disney World and yep. Orange Juice. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? And NASA. Right? And NASA, yeah. yes. Um, or Miami Beach. Oh, yeah. You know, um, but but Florida is incredible. You know, we are we are such a diverse state. I always laugh and say Florida's technically three states, you know, North Cuba, South Georgia, and some beaches, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is it is truly an incredible place. And and people don't realize that agriculture is our number one economic driver, not tourism. I did not know that. I did not know that, actually. We we have so many different commodities. Uh, I mean, in my district alone, we have peanuts and watermelon. We have cattle. We have uh, just incredible diversity of of different crops that we grow. I mean, heck, we in Florida— and I know we're in Texas right now, but in Florida, we are the number – world's number one producer of orchids, mm. ferns. I, none of that did yeah. I know. Yes. None. And we are a huge cattle state. So uh, when you look at cattle production, um, we rank, I believe, top three in cow-calf. Um, you know, we we are – agriculture through and through, be it sweet corn, be it uh, tomatoes, be it zucchini, squash, of course, oranges. You know, we have a massive agricultural industry. And as the lone Republican on the House Agriculture Committee, it's so important that we are represented across the board, not to mention the dairies that we, we have the uh, timber industry, the equine industry. I'm proud to represent the the horse capital of the world. That's where all the Kentucky Derby horses are. I am are. aware of that. I did know that. Yes. And and, and I know my Kentucky colleagues are going to probably catch me on the house floor and take me out back to have a word about that <laughs> comment. I, I think I know who's going <laughs> to win that battle. <laughs> I, I, don't
0: take on cat. That's all I have to say. So that, do you like serving on ad committee? I mean, is that just been a really great role for you with your background I and do. then your constituency?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think people in agriculture are just some of the best people in the world. I agree. Salt of the earth, hardworking. They they just are so innovative. And and you look at how they always, always persevere. It's that grit that I just I love. And I'm I just gravitate towards people like that. And they're just good family people who who want to continue to see the industry. Move forward. I think from a national security Mm -hmm. standpoint, if you cannot feed yourself, your nation is not secure. That's such a great point. And if we lose, we've learned so much about supply chain through this
0: pandemic with our PPE and our pharmaceuticals all over in China. But we also need to have our food, and our and our ability to feed ourselves in our country. The Democrats are pushing this reconciliation bill, and one of the key components of that is the death tax, which would devastate ranchers yes. and farmers who could not pass their, their farms or their properties onto their families because the tax burden would be so high they'd just have to sell it. Yeah. I mean, how worried are you about what the Democrats are doing economically
1: to the people in your district? Oh, my gosh. this If, if this reconciliation package uh, passes, this will fundamentally change who we are as Americans. I don't think our country could survive this. And I say that because of things that are in it, like the death tax. We all know the saying, land rich, cash poor. Mm -hmm. That is your average family farm. And it's really, really tough when you have a tax code that continually changes. And then you have someone who passes. And the next generation has to pay that death tax. Yep but they don't have the they capital. Have the money. To, yeah, they don't, have the, they don't have a way to do it. So they end up selling off either portions or all of the family farm, and there you go. You have another family farm that has been pushed out, and it's likely multi generational. Mm-hmm. And what's scary to me about this reconciliation package, uh, one of the things that scares me, is that for the ag community, this includes a stepped-up basis. That right there is a bipartisan issue that Republicans and Democrats agree is bad for agriculture. The chairman of the Ag Committee even said, I have told the president this is bad and he will not listen. When Democrats are saying that this is going to kill family farms. And they're going along with it. And they're going along with it. How do they go
0: back to their constituents? I mean, I understand Joe Biden's from Delaware. He doesn't care. You know, he's never visited the border. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about a lot of these issues because his state, it's not the issue. exactly. And but in a lot of these Democrats— states, this is a big issue. And they're going along with it because they will follow Joe Biden into destroying our country. And thank goodness for you guys. We have got to win the House back. Five seats. We've got to win it back. Uh, You also represent a college town. You're Gainesville. (laughs) Go Gators. Go Gators. Okay. I'm not going to really say that, but I'm a Michigan fan, but she said go Gators. (laughs) But But you, I know you were big in student government in college. I've seen you on the college Republican circuit, really, <laughs> really in, um, investing in our yes. young Republicans and getting them involved and getting them active. You've been a staffer. You understand how important it is to grow our party. But what do you think about the wokeness on college oh. campuses and this shutting down of free speech and telling us um, how to learn, how to think and not, or, or what to think and not how to think? These are the types of things that are really frightening.
1: Yeah. What, what is your take on it? I mean, I uh, I myself, I'm, as, you know, I'm 33, so I'm not too far removed from being an undergraduate student. Yeah. I remember having a Latin American politics professor who on the first day of class, I come in, I sit down, and she opens up with white Republican men are the, the source of all worlds conflict. And I'm mm. like, well, this is going to wow. be a bad class. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, okay. And, and, and that semester, she basically gave me an F on every paper. She tried to get me kicked out of not just class and 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 that particular school within the, the college, but ultimately she was trying to get me kicked out of college. I had to appeal to the university president to stay in because she was so offended by my conservative ideas that it was harmful to her somehow. And so I I know what it's like to be a conservative on campus. And I've had so many interns and young staffers who have said, I have professors that tell me to leave class early so I don't get beat up. Or I have young uh, young Republicans that say we got our group suspended because we didn't necessarily fill out this or that, or but we did, and they magically lost the paperwork. You know, there's harassment, there's bullying, there's a double set of standards. And so I thought it was really important being the youngest Republican woman to take a stand. And so Jim Jordan and I, we got together and we formed the Free Speech Caucus on campus. And we are going around looking at the college campuses that have the worst FIRE ratings. And the FIRE ratings basically uh, gauge the policies that these universities have in place to protect free speech on campus. If you have a green rating, you're you're relatively good. I'm not going to say great because... There's a lot of green. Hillsdale's probably pretty good. Hillsdale's pretty
0: damn good. <laughs> okay. bro- but if you have a green rating, you're okay. Yeah. If you have a red, is it, what's the That's worst? That's like Berkeley. Berkeley. Okay. Berkeley.
1: Where no no conservative speakers. They will do a double set of standards for conservative groups. No free speech thought allowed on campus. How do we find your ratings? Where do you see that? It's um fire. I'm and I'm gonna botch this, but it's uh, like we'll fireratings.org it. or something. Okay, but you can yes. go access this yes, and, and you see can look at any ratings. college.
0: That yes. is spectacular that yeah. you're taking this on. Well, and and have any of the universities reached out to you to
1: try and like change <laughs> their ratings? Or do you see any change in the culture at all? You know, I actually do. So my home university, which we just got ranked a top five. Okay, um, The University of Florida, they're rated green. But I actually went and met with the president, and and we sat down, and I said, listen, how can we bring more balance, more of a diversity of thought and opinion to campus? And so we've been working with them to bring conservative speakers to campus, and we're also working to make sure that the conservative student groups are not retaliated against because they have in the past, and that just can't stand. So working with groups like YAF, uh, Young America's Foundation, they're fantastic. Working with Turning Point, Mm -hmm. also a fantastic organization organization, uh, new, the network of enlightened women, all the college Republicans, there's so many great young organizations that that is a place where people can really find themselves on campus and find a group of people that they agree with and can share those opinions and really grow in their in their political ideology. And so we're, we're helping give them a platform. We're also helping when they have challenges on campus, amplifying that in the media so that people know what's going on. I love that you're doing that. Thank you for doing that because
0: Thank you. they are trying to intimidate our kids from high school through oh, yeah. college and prevent them from thinking for themselves and shame them for having a different Absolutely. mindset. And it's people like you and these other groups and actually social media that is allowing our kids to recognize, I don't have to think like my teachers are. And maybe I'll, good for you for getting the Fs too, and not changing your opinion so that you got an A. I love that you did that. I would
1: never write a paper with a liberal slant. I just... I, I
0: love that. You just took the F. You didn't say, I'm going to change my mind. Nope. I'm just going to take the F. I'd rather take the F than, Absolutely. than, than bow to this teacher. I mean, it is... Mm-hmm. We want teachers for our kids. We do not need activists exactly. for our kids. I do exactly. not need an activist telling my kid about what their opinion is on these issues. Teach them history, math, science. Teach them to love our country. Yep. And it's going to take us standing up. And what I love about you, Kat, is you're vocal and you're bold. And that's what we need in our leaders. How has Congress been? I mean, has it been eye-opening
1: for you? Has it been? What has been the best and the worst part of it so far? Well, I'm going to come first, hang out with you more, because I feel like I get like a pep talk. I'm like, hey. <laughs> I, yes, I, I, I Well, I'm the, I'm the therapist for the cycle. Yeah. No, I love it. Because, you know, I mean, when I just testified um, the other day telling, you know, my pro-life story alongside my Democrat colleagues who told their abortion stories, you know, I had over 600 comments of, I'm a traitor, you know, um, as a woman, I should be ashamed and, you know, just awful things. And you know that you get a lot of that in Congress, yep. and I don't think anything can quite prepare prepare you for the vitriol that comes your way. Yep. Um, but in, I think some people again are adverse to it, and some people thrive off of it. And I've, I've really, I guess, been my whole life uh, preparing for a moment where it's like, okay, you want to come at me? I'm Game gonna on. be louder. I'm Game gonna be on. louder. I'm gonna work harder. It just, it's a driver for me. But the thing that has really surprised me this year is that we have an opportunity to really not just take the House back, but to take the Senate back Mm -hmm. and and get our country back on track. And what is disappointing is when I see Republicans attacking Republicans. Yeah. That is something that we cannot do. We are in the minority. We can't afford to break on votes. We we know that our agenda is on a back burner because we don't have the votes. Mm -hmm. And – Every time, and I have shared this with my colleagues, and we have a lot of conversations behind, you know, we'll go out to dinners, we'll have, you know, group chats and everything. I keep telling them, I said, even if you disagree with one of your colleagues, pull them aside, talk to them about it. You don't need to send out a fundraising email because you're you're not going to you're not going to help your case but what you are helping is the democrats exactly they get a bullet every single time a republican attacks another republican and I'll be damned if we lose this upcoming election because republicans were more intent on taking each other down than the liberal left preach
0: yes. i'm with you 100% <laughs> i love that you say that because it's so true the democrats yes. are destroying our country and if we're fighting each other We are giving them a free pass, and we have to win it back. I said to somebody the other day, I'm like, win first, fight later. Yes. We can fight after we win, but let's just win right now. Uh, Yeah. Final, Final thought. What do you say to somebody who's discouraged and they feel like the Democrats are ruining our country? I run into this all the time. It's done. They've taken over. It's dismantled. How do you shore them up? to recognize how important it is to fight for the greatest nation on earth that we live in, the United States of America? What would your recommendation be to those people? So
1: I I, I know you get that a lot for I sure. I get it a lot. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, when people ask me that, I I actually, it depends on on the moment. Um, here in the last few days, we have had some, I, I'm always on Facebook Live. That's yeah. kind of my way of communicating um, with, with folks, not just back home in the district, but across the country. Okay. And, um, on Friday morning I got up and it was five o'clock. I had an early interview and I'm, I'm just using this as a recent example. And I did the interview and I figured, well, Hey, I got my hair and makeup done. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do a Facebook live outside. So I, I go off Capitol Hill and I just said, here's an update of what's going on. And I said, Monday, Nancy Pelosi didn't have the votes for the reconciliation bill. Tuesday, she didn't have the votes. Wednesday, she didn't have the votes. Thursday, she didn't have the votes. It's Friday, and she's getting closer to having the votes. Call your member of Congress. Call your two senators. If they're voting against it, thank them. They need the encouragement. If they are voting for it, explain why. And here's all the things that are in this bill that scare me and that will fundamentally change our country. Share this with them. And the Capitol switchboard lit up. And it went, I think at this point, 400,000 people engaged, and and they went wild. And they were so excited to say, I made three phone calls. It took me five minutes, and I left. I, I talked to their team. I feel like I actually did something. And on uh, Friday night, they still didn't have the votes. So this morning, when I, I got on an airplane, I put out to all the people who had Taking the five minutes to make those calls, I said, here's the headline that is today. Nancy Pelosi fails. She yeah. doesn't have the votes. And I said, this is I because love of that. you. Well, thank, keep doing Facebook Live. Keep doing it.
0: <laughs> OK? But they just did a small part to save our country. Yeah. Even just that call. And I love that you say that because it matters. these congressional members do listen to that. They do. And so make those calls and fight for our country. And then... Let's go in in 2022. Exactly. So volunteer, knock a door, talk to a family member, anything you can do because we are on the front lines of saving the greatest nation on Absolutely. earth. And you've great leaders like Kat Kamak at the head leading that. So I'm so grateful to you. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Thank Thanks for being a rock star freshman. I'm so excited to see the rest of the great things that you're going to do in Congress. Thanks, Kat. Thank you. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is what Republicans stand for. Join us next time on Real America.
1: Paid for by the Republican National Committee. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.gop.com.